The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.blueclovertherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life to build a better you. Stay tuned. I am very excited for this episode. Do you want to know why? Yes, please tell me why. So those of you who've been listening to us, Jesse comes up with fantastic science based in academic research from prestigious universities. Right. And I look up the internets and like medium.com and Esquire magazine to come up with my history segments. So let's just say I'm a little less scientific. And I usually just read it off the internet. And Jesse gets mad at me every time. Yes. Because she's got pages and pages of notes and like sticky tabs and highlighters. And I'm like, oh, I found this website like two minutes before we did the episode. You don't even highlight the website. I don't even highlight it. But today, yeah, that all changes. Whoa. I'm going scientific on mine. Oh. I wrote it down from a reputable website. <laughs> So, I mean, today Whoa. you guys are in for a treat. You're going to say that history segment was spot on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, preemptively, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> and welcome, everybody, to the Morning Struggle Podcast. I'm Ty. I'm Jesse. We bring you habits of successful people. And what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about apocalypse obsession. Apocalypse obsession, which is a huge thing for like our generation even. It's recently, yes, but we're talking TV. You can't get away from it. The Walking Dead and Zombieland. You know, mm-hmm. all our asteroid shows when we were younger. People love the idea of the apocalypse. Yep. Why, why? Oh, I'm going to tell you why. I know. It just, it, it makes no sense if we spend our whole life trying to get more comfortable and surviving. Mm-hmm. Why we're so obsessed with the end of time. It's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. So, well, without further ado, let's get into some some history and then some science. Yeah. And then an action plan mm-hmm. and figure out why we're so obsessed with the apocalypse. This day in history... Two prestigious foundations that I looked up today. Whoa. The first one, Global Challenges Foundation. They're from Sweden. I don't know if you know anything about Sweden, but they're pretty smart. Next one, (laughs) little university you may have heard of called Oxford and their Future of Humanity Institute. Oh my gosh. These two guys got together and they said, hey, let's predict the probabilities of each apocalypse scenario. Oh my gosh. I love this so so much. I'm going to bring those to you today. You ready? Yes. First of all, we're about halfway through the sun's lifespan. The sun is our lifeline, right? Okay. So in about 6 billion years, the sun is going to kind of start to die. It's going to become a red giant. It's going to inflate and swell up and like engulf the earth in fiery flames. Oh my gosh. So those of you who think you're going to get like in an AI body and just live forever, probably not going to happen because the earth's going to die at some point. So unless we leave the earth... Like, that's just the way this, the universe works. This is the way it cycles. Okay. But let's go through some actual things that can happen before, before the Earth engulfed. is engulfed by the sun. Oh you my ready? Gosh. The first one, global system collapse. 0.00003% probability. Whoa. Very, very low. Yeah. All these were very, very low. But still, global system collapse, um, that's when our economies across the global uh, world just start start failing. Our like everybody? Our monies, our economies, and when one goes, if we don't capture them, 
and then everything else starts to go. Like a good example is the German inflation in 1923 and 1924. Yeah. It was German currencies was so cheap. It mm-hmm. was they people would burn it in their stoves to keep warm at night because it was essentially worthless. Oh, wow. And that's kind of what led to the rise of the Nazi party in World War II. Because everybody was Because they were so they were time. so repressed. But oh things, my gosh. things like that. If you get if you get global system collapse, mm-hmm. you could get crops and farm devastation and something as simple as like the bees disappearing mm-hmm. because we don't preserve, you know, farmland or, or orchard land for the bees. Yeah. Four years. We only survive four years without bees. Yeah. According to Albert Einstein. And he was smart. He was so very I mean smart. if you you don't believe him, you don't believe anybody. No, but really, four years. I know. It's crazy, huh? Next one, super volcano. Oh my gosh. We have one of these in Yellowstone. We do and it's right up right up the road from it us. It rattles some cages sometimes. It's not it's uh-huh. not fun. I and don't... it makes for great um John Cusack movies. So super volcano point <laughs> zero 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 three percent, same as a global system collapse. Hmm. So that's the percentage that it'll actually happen, which is very low. Because you got to think these only erupt like a couple times in the whole history of the earth, I guess. So yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. but they said ejecta, which is like the magma and the ash and the smoke and all that stuff. Okay. That, that erupts over 1,000 cubic kilometers. Oh, goodness. Would destroy mankind. Oh, okay. So a, 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 remember like a cube is like a cube, you know, like an ice cube. Yeah. Imagine that's 1,000 kilometers worth of cube. So yeah, that, that much would stuff would cover. Bad. And the big thing is it blocks out the sun. And that changes the climate dramatically. We can't live in freezing temperatures without a lot of help. Well, and we can't we can't eat. I mean, there's no we can't eating. eat. There's no crops. There's no yeah. stuff. You know. So global pandemic. We're kind of seeing the taste of that right now. Right. Only point zero 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 one percent. Oh, see, so that's... We're, get, we're getting closer to a percentage point of yeah. probabilities. <laughs> but a global, global pandemic, like we've got COVID right now, but the Black Death. In the 14s and 1500s in oh Europe, my gosh. It killed, killed 50 million people, which was about half the population back yeah. then. It killed half, and it still happens in Africa today. Does it really? The Black Death is still prevalent in Africa. Oh. Yep. Next one, you ready? Yep. Asteroid. We're talking Armageddon. We're talking Deep Impact. <laughs> Those are the only two asteroid movies I know, but it's going to be like that. Point zero zero zero. Okay. One three. So a little more than the global pandemic. Okay. So wait a minute. An asteroid is going to hit us. Before we get a pandemic? We're talking about Oxford. You you call up Oxford and you tell them, you're like, hey, I've watched my movies well, and the global pandemic it makes me seems... like, go like, well, what do they know? Do we just have asteroids kicking it out there just ready to hit us? Yeah, I don't, I don't have the data, but they, they've got a ton of asteroids, I guess, they're tracking right now. We, we, are, we are barely missed by asteroids all the time. But they're all not going to the tell the population because... They're not going to tell us because we're going to freak out because... Yeah. An asteroid only five kilometers in size yeah. is equal to 100,000 H-bombs. Oh, So that's no. only five kilometers. I mean, that's that's nothing. That's like three miles. Okay. So that's, your grocery store is probably farther away than that. So think of an asteroid that's just that big. It's like a big rock. Like, okay, no big deal. Yeah. And it would wipe out an entire country on impact. Okay. And then again, it would project dirt, rock, and dust into the atmosphere and freeze the earth because we wouldn't get yeah. sunlight to the to the earth. The real problem would be later on. And they happen about every 20 million years. Okay. And I don't know when the last one was, but I'm guessing 65 million years ago when the dinosaurs died, <laughs> we're overdue. How is it only 0.00013 when we're overdue by like 45 million years? Whatever, Oxford. All right, next one. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Nuclear war, 0.005% probability. Mm-hmm. 
That's because that's human run. Yeah, and the rest of these are human run. So we have about 14,000 warheads. On estimation, we don't really know how many. because Well, they're not going to let everybody know. But radiation, of course. So you have nuclear fallout. But you also have EMP. So when a, when a, a nuclear bomb goes off, it sends off an electromagnetic pulse, okay. which decimates electronics. We're talking communications, transportation, debt and credit systems, like servers, all that stuff goes away. Okay. It would plunge us into chaos and anarchy. Well, so stand by though, like if, if you had an electrical surge, would does it affect the human body? I mean, it would have to affect the human body, no, too. No, not not really, I guess. Okay, but it would take out the uh, communication According systems. to the movie Broken Arrow with, with John Travolta, <laughs> nothing happened with the EMP. But anyway, here we go. Uh, synthetic biology, 0.01%. What does that mean? So we're getting close. We're talking like GMO, engineered crops. Um, so the thing that we're plants, eating every single day. The things day. we're doing right now. So you, you create a, a drought-resistant corn, yeah. and you're doing really good, but all of a sudden that mutates a little bit that you can't control, mm-hmm. and oh, humans can't digest it anymore. And all of our food source is gone. So yeah. um, another thing they can do is they can use that for bio-warfare, like chemical and bio-warfare, biological warfare. Okay. So they can develop new biological systems and then like detonate it over a country and all that bio stuff gets in people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So anyway, next one, climate change. We're getting into some of the, the more hot topics now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 0.01%. Yeah. So about right. the same for, for synthetic biology. Right. Uh, only a seven degree uh, Celsius increase. Uh-huh. In the temperature, the, okay. the, the average climate temperature uh-huh. would make the poorest countries uninhabitable because oh. they don't have the technology and engineering to essentially cool themselves in that environment. Oh, wow. And at 10 degrees Celsius, we can't survive. Period. Humans just can't cool themselves off enough. So we couldn't essentially live without some kind of mechanical cooling advantage. So we which would, only lasts so long because it perpetuates the system. Yep, which perpetuates perpetuates the system. So, ooh, kind, that's ten degrees Celsius, which is, is a lot. You know, you're just talking ten or twenty it is degrees, a lot, whatever but it is. It's not that hard to get there. But it's not that hard to get there, and we're cruising pretty fast. Uh, the next one, nanotechnology, point zero one percent, same as climate change. What? So nanotechnology, like for cancer and things like that. You yeah, there's some amazing things they're doing. They're amazing, right? Right. They're also separate, self-replicating. And have you ever said, like, okay. have you ever seen the little diagram? They're like, and she tells her friend, and they tell two friends, and yeah. then they tell two friends. And next thing you know, there's like a thousand friends on the screen. Yeah. Nanobots. Now, what, what if those nanobots all of a sudden said, you know what? I've got a taste for human flesh. Boom. Oh, my We're gosh. Done. That is, you're bringing all the horrors of. Abs- absolutely. I mean, these are scary awful. things. This is Oxford and the Global Foundation Challenges said. Hey, be careful of this. We got two more. You ready? Yeah. The Fermi paradox. The Fermi paradox, 0.1%. 0.1%? And this is kind of like a catch-all because these are unintended consequences. Oh. So the Fermi paradox is about extraterrestrial life. And they used the Drake equation to calculate the probability of intelligent life in the universe and said there's probably intelligent life in the universe. Right. And why haven't we discovered this life yet or why haven't they reached out to us? And the idea is life destroys itself before it has the capability to expand into the galaxy. So we get so smart, we get so technological, and then we have, before we have the capability to jump light years, Mm -hmm. we kill ourselves with unintended consequences of our technologies. Oh, wow. That's Fermi Paradox 0.1. And then the last one, which is kind of scary, 0.1 to 10%. This was a big discrepancy. 0.1 to 10%? Is the winner AI. What? The robots, Terminator. Oh they, they come my and, they gosh, come and get that us. cannot be a thing. Well, here, here's the thing. Here we, we already have machine learning. 
So coding That's is no true. longer like, I tell machine what to do. Yeah. Coding is now, hey, I built a machine. Machine, go learn everything. Machine, build a program. Right. And it's getting really, really advanced. And there's only a handful of people who understand this technology, like even how it works. And even they sometimes plug in these equations and start these machines up and they go, I had no idea it would do that. Because it would do, because it, it learns on itself, right? It learns, and it, continues it, it, to... it, it grows just like a human. It takes in information as it collects more data, it learns more and it's able to do more processes. So all it takes, now the AI can save us from these other nine apocalypses, mm-hmm. but it also yeah. can be our doom, like iRobot or something, where they say, you're not good for yourself. I'm going to I'm gonna take control over you. Next right. thing you know, we have a bunch of robot overlords. You know, what's interesting, though, is that if, because if it's such a mechanical thing where it's learning on itself, it realizes that we as humans have so many faults and issues that like that we can't control well we can control but that we tend to do and like oh i wish i had a robot that would tell me to not eat that pizza it's every it's every parent's nightmare to raise an incredibly smart gifted child Mm -hmm. and then have that child kill you in your sleep so (laughs) that's just that's it so that's what we got for the apocalypse that's what we got for the apocalypse um probabilities so i took it a different way i went instead of going history I went the history in the future. The future history. So the future history of the world. Yeah. So you're welcome. All right, there we go. So let's terrifying. get let's get back into science and let's talk about why we're so obsessed. Like even that list, when I was reading it, I was like, yeah, this is happening. This yes. is the real deal. Yeah. And I'm kind of excited for it because I'm going to be the one to survive. Like yeah. me and my family, we're going to survive. Everybody else is going to do whatever. But why, so why do we have this feeling that the apocalypse isn't going to touch us mm-hmm. and, and why we want it so bad? Oh, you get ready. You gonna hit us with some science? Oh yes. Well, here's the thing. I'm trying really hard to not make this a depression, depressing segment because it's not great. Well, it's the end of the world. I mean, it sounds like it's depressing, but I mean, right. it's, you could do it in an enlightening way. Like, hey, it's the end of the world. Right. And it's just intonation of your voice and you're kind of excited for <laughs> and it. And just kind of chipper yeah. about the whole and thing. And we're getting a lot of good shows yeah. with no, the apocalypse. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. So why, why is this such a big thing? Well, it's really interesting because people believe, all of us believe, that an apocalyptic disaster will happen in our lifetime to a certain extent. 29% of us believe that it's like for sure going to happen. Okay, so like, tw- so a third of us almost yes. think, hey, for sure an apocalypse is happening. Within my lifetime. Okay. The thing is that 12 years ago, it was only 22%. So more people are believing this is going to happen. Right, and and I think it, I mean, we're not going to talk a lot about Rona. We're, we're, right. we're just not. But um, that does have an impact. When we have these things happen on a global level or even within our country, we tend to go up and think that this is the apocalypse because you got to think if you're in the middle of the apocalypse, you rarely are aware of it until after. Sure, you're probably struggling or uh, just like trying to get by. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And about 17% of people have an apocalyptic survival plan of some kind for their family. It's like an actual plan. Not, not, doesn't have to be like you're a prepper and you've got a bunker full of different, ammo. Yeah, that's different. But you have a plan like, hey, we're going to get in the car, we're going to drive to Grammy's cabin. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And and even to the extent of having uh, go bags and things like that to try to like prep ourselves so we're the ones to survive. Okay. Um, what perpetuates these ideas of the apocalyptic event happening is uh, a sense of powerlessness. Okay. Powerlessness. Right. Okay. And then a mistrust of authority. 
Okay. That, okay. I mean, that makes perfect sense. We, we don't, we're not in control of the situation, so we get a little anxious. Mm-hmm. And we don't trust, you know, the, the government or, the, you know, whoever's in charge to take care of us. Right. Okay. Well, and, and this goes up when you have a division of classes. So when everybody's able to eat and everybody's able to have jobs and everybody's able to take care of their families, people are pretty good and they don't think the apocalypse is going to happen anytime soon. Oh, but when we get a bigger dispersion of wealth, mm-hmm. we start to get more and more apocalyptic. Yeah. Because we have... are at a really high dis- the, um, wealth gap right now. Oh, we very huge. The division of, of wealth gaps, I mean, right now is is really big because if, you got to think, if you... If you have a lot of income right now, if you're able to survive quite well, you're scared it's going to go away. Okay. If you don't have a lot of wealth and you're struggling right now, you're very, very angry and upset that that is the case because why can't you be able to do that like those guys? That makes sense. That makes right? perfect sense. So so we start to it starts to build on ourselves and in our psyche. First thing, why do we think so much about the apocalypse is because we are kind of obsessed with our own death. We just like in general. In general, we're scared to die. Is that why we like horror movies mm-hmm. and slasher films and things like that? Well, and, and the same thing, like if, if we're like, I know as a mom, I do this. I hear of a, a four-year-old that was killed falling out of a window. Okay. I'm going to read that article and then I'm going to go lock up my windows. And you're probably going to visualize it happening to you, your kids. Yeah. Like how do I, how do I make, and yeah. it's in the idea is the prevention of your death or the prevention of your offspring. So we don't want to die. We just essentially want to prevent the death. So naturally we think about these things so we can process them. Yeah. So okay. it becomes, and, and it becomes kind of, it can become an obsession depending on how real that event feels to you. Okay. And the thing with horror films and, um, I mean, really any type of Armageddon movie or TV show the idea is it's a it's almost a safe way to entertain these ideas. Oh, and it's an easy way. It seems like you don't have to yeah. like sit there and have a, a thought experiment on what would happen if an asteroid. Some movie producer says, "Hey, this is what would happen if an asteroid hit." Right. So it plays into that desire without you having to do anything. Yeah, you you can sit there and go through the movie and watch your favorite characters totally survive, and you're like, "Okay, that's what I'm going to do." When oh, this okay. happens. That makes sense. So it's a way of role playing through it. Okay. That in again a safe way. Um, why is it so appealing? Because people get really obsessed about it and talk about it and get really engaged with other people about it. And not just the doomsday preppers. I'm talking like I mean, I talk about it with people, like sure. the zombie apocalypse and I joke about it and everything. This idea of fantasizing and romanticizing what is gonna happen and that you're gonna be the one to survive. Because the thing is, in an apocalypse, the likelihood of you actually surviving is not great because in an apocalypse, a bunch of people don't live through it. Right. And so right. odds are it's against you. you right. Know, but but you think that you are going to survive because you are incredible in some way. Is that just our ego? Believing? It's, well, it's a survival mechanism. Okay. If you believe that you're going to, to live, you're going to strive to continue to live. Okay. That makes right? sense. And it's, there's this idea of... of our life is very busy right now. Our life has a lot of hoops that we jump through, a lot of people, like going to work in an office or something. It's and, mundane and sometimes feels a little pointless. Yeah, and I mean, you're doing things that you wouldn't necessarily do, but you're just like, okay, I guess this is what we do, right. you know? I make sure to say hi to Carol in the front office, you know? Um, maybe that's not and something you And I do you my would... TPS reports Yeah. <laughs> until, you know, Mr. Lindbergh comes by and tells me I got to work on the weekends. Yep. And you're like, okay, yep. like, all, all right. right. And you're super, super frustrated with your life. This idea of surviving, thriving, and then going back to nature, like having to scavenge for food, having to, to really use your 
mental ability to survive is quite appealing. The problem is we don't think about like even as far as like the pioneers moving from east to west in in America, right? A lot of those folks didn't survive. Like, right. There was not a lot of of like it was not a fun process. But we think of that like, oh, we're we're getting our grit. We're getting things figured out. And we we feel very safe right now for the most part. Right. Like our life is the likelihood of me walking outside and or stepping on a nail and dying from getting step stepping on a nail. Very, very slim. And so we feel safe. So we would take this idea of feeling safe and moving it into the apocalypse, which would not be the case. Okay. So it's not that we feel like, hey, we because we do want primal. We do want our primal to go down to our primal roots. Mm-hmm. We also kind of feel, hey, I'm still going to have my warm showers mm-hmm. and <laughs> and my freshly brewed coffee in the yeah. apocalypse, when in actuality, you're probably sleeping on the dirt trying not to die. Yes. And it's not even close to what you thought it would be. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. Um, another thing, why are we seeking so, so much information? So this is something unique as far as like as a therapist, I've noticed people are seeking a lot of information about um, apocalypses right now. Okay. Right. And the, the thing is, is that we are trying to pre- predict what is going to happen because that is comforting, even if the prediction is pretty grim. Okay. So you're just trying to gather as much information as you can so you can make the best prediction mm-hmm. and you're doing this kind of subconsciously. And even though we just, you get to a point where you just can't collect any more good data right. on future apocalypses. So you kind of spin your wheels, but you, you want that, you have the desire to understanding and being control? Yes, exactly. Okay. Because the, so the National Institute for Mental Health did this really interesting study shocking poor college students. So if the college student knew when the shock was going to happen and how strong it was, they did great. They would set a little timer and they would watch this timer tick down and they knew that when they got to zero, they would get shocked and it would hurt, right? Um, so <laughs> they would actually kind of relax in the middle of that. Their five minutes because they could watch that timer. They could kind of talk to each other and kind of BS a little. And it was it was pretty happy, actually. And then, and then everybody would get real quiet and just like grit down and take the shock. And then it would happen over and over again. So consistency. Consistency. But the thing is, is that when we don't know when the shock is going to happen, it, it, we're, we're anxious the whole time. So the apocalypse is the non-timered shock. We have mm-hmm. no idea when the trigger is going to get pulled. And so we're just kind of anxious about it all the time because we don't have any information. We're not out in control. Right. And this is why right now in particular, we are fatigued because we don't know what's going to happen. Like when, when we locked down in Utah, we also had an earthquake. And yeah. then we had a hurricane storm and everybody was out of power for like two weeks. It was really, I mean, we don't know when these things are going to happen. And so we're super anxious, super worried. But if we could say, well, on Saturday, we're going to have an earthquake and it's going to be big and just make sure to prep yourself. You turn every- off your gas and you you tip you- over your bookshelves yeah. <laughs> prematurely. That's it. Exactly. But you would kind of relax in the middle ground, but that's not how events like that work, right? And so we, we really can't predict it, but we're trying to because... In, in history, if we could pr- properly predict the event, we could survive the event. And that's where prepping comes in and everybody's run out and getting beans and toilet paper is because the, mo- the better prepared you are, the more likely you are to survive. But, that, but this is a slippery slope because what are you preparing for? Yeah, so it's not a bad idea to prep and to mm-hmm. have thought experiments, but you you take it may take it too far. Yes. So you may take it to an obsession where now it's removing you from your 
day-to-day life, or you've gone down a path so far that, hey, yes, you're prepared for zombie apocalypse, but hey, are you really prepared for a pandemic? Are you prepared for a a global crisis Mm -hmm. of food shortage? Like, are you prepared for these different things? Because if you really want to be prepared, you should be slightly prepared for as much as possible. Yes. Right? Instead of really prepared for one, because that's rolling the dice. Right. Well, and then let's say that you take all of your income to prep for this, and then you're not living in the moment at all. Like you're yeah, just hanging we'll, out in your bunker. You even, then waiting. why you even want to live? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it, it, it becomes quite slippery in, in this and how psychologically we can easily run down this path. Um, and the big thing, the kicker now, because I was under the bracket too, where um, our generation is obsessed with the apocalypse, right? We have lots of movies. Like everything kind of came out in our a little bit previous generation, but more asteroids and stuff. Yeah, previous. 80s and 90s. Yeah. No, then it went into to pandemics and then zombies. So, I mean, even our children, like even our children have The Last Kids on Earth, a cartoon about uh, an apocalypse with monsters and zombies. Right. Like, I mean, our, our children are obsessed with this as well. But it's not necessarily a generational thing. What this is, is that suddenly now we have a lot of media use. Okay. And the media, we, the it, it works. It, we click on things to see what the next apocalypse is going to be. We rent the movies that, you know, Armageddon and so, all these. So it sells. It Bo- sells. Bottom line, it sells. Because they used to have like alien movies back in the 50s, mm-hmm. you know, and 40s. That was the big thing. Hey, aliens are going to come in and destroy humanity. Yep. So every little generation probably has this apocalypse thing. Yeah. Right now, we're just really clickable on these certain apocalypse. Well, and, and the way that they bracket it is that we are now primed for panic. Okay. So if they keep us, and, and and I'm saying they as if it's like one guy in an office somewhere, but it's it's, but it's meeting... the AI analytical machine for Facebook. Yes. That's just essentially what Maybe. it is. Well, no, but it really is. Social media, news outlets, um, our TV shows, our movies, everything is priming us to be super scared because if we're scared, we are more likely to purchase things that we maybe not would normally so manipulative yeah be because like like even us we had the earthquake we bought a bunch of the storing food bag things we bought a bunch of food storage we like we normally i mean we had food storage but it wasn't to this caliber because we got scared with the earthquake going crap if if the power goes out for two weeks i don't really have much to do this so we go out and purchase a bunch of things so we were primed for panic Media use and everything else is priming us to do that and to purchase more things because that's how people make money. So it's not my fault when I go buy 18,000 rounds of, of ammunition, with what you're saying. So you're giving me the slippery, pass. You give, you're giving me the pass. I get slippery it. Slope. All right. Slippery slope. Slippery but, slope. But to keep in mind, though, that since 1910, there has been a predicted apocalyptic event every year. Oh, so every, so every time you hear, hey, the end of the world is coming because the Mayans said so, or the yep. end of the world is coming because Nostradamus predicted it, mm-hmm. every single year there's that prediction. Yes. Here's the thing about predictions. Uh-huh. If you do them every year, one of them is going to be right. I know, so but you, we're, which, I just, just we're over 100 them. years now. Just believe them, though. Of predictions. You don't want to be that guy be like, oh, I didn't think this was going to happen. You could be the guy that says, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> You're like, Harold's been saying it's going to happen for the last 50 years. Harold. Harold. All right. Is that what we got for science? That is science. All right. Um, let's talk about some coffee. Oh, yes. And you get the coffee segment. And then let's go into what we do with this information. Because we can't just all of a sudden say, well, I'm not going to watch scary movies anymore. We got to live in we- our current society. And we should be prepared. So yeah. how can we do that in a healthy way? I drink 
Putts and putts and putts and putts a strong black coffee trying to keep my sleepy soul awake. But the sleepiness still comes along, and when it does, it's fast and strong. I end up with a bad case of the shakes. Are you ready for some coffee predictions? I'm ready for some po- coffee predictions. Okay, this is US very based coffee predictions. Yes. Okay. Um, because I can't speak about the global situation with coffee, but I can talk about America because this is where the survey came right, from. Right, because the Swedes and the Global Challenge Foundation, they drink like 10 times as much coffee as America yeah. does. Yeah, they. But, but they're getting stuff done, so it's okay. <laughs> you good. do it. You do your thing. <laughs> you do, All right, you let's do give you. us, we'll give us. us coffee prediction. Okay, we are going to eliminate milk and sugar from coffee. Like completely? Yeah. So it's going to bracket out into black coffee drinkers and then fluffy drink. So there's uh, there's drinkers. no there's no more cream and sugar. No no, ma- no more coffee with cream and sugar. It's going to be black coffee right. or frappuccinos. Right. Okay. Exactly. So it's milkshakes or black coffee. And the the reason why they think this is because the majority of coffee beans that were coming into America were stale cuz they were delivered. Okay. Right? Or um they had the the raw bean and they would be um, roasted roasted here but then they would be burned they'd be bitter they that kind of thing and so the, people are really honing it in and so they're thinking that because the idea behind milk and sugar was to take away the bitterness of it to make it drinkable but coffee's getting less and less bitter yeah i have so, noticed that too so yeah so you don't really need that as much so therefore you'll just have black drink or black coffee drinkers and then you'll have like the milkshake version of yeah, of coffee. your lattes and because you won't your need that sugar drink to take off the edge, right? Yeah, you just need a coffee flavor. It's like even a, a, a coffee syrup, and it's then all your sugar and mm-hmm. your milk and your your candy syrup. All yep, right, exactly. Okay, so second thing, all beans will be purchased online. Wait, what? Yes, I think everything's gonna be purchased online. Yeah, I mean that. that's not a far-reaching, and then a little drone will drop it. Yep. Um, but well, that okay. would be so cute. Oh my, it would be terrible. You just hear the hum of the drones <sighs> everywhere. There'd be no silence anymore. Yeah. Okay, but we, anyway, we, we're going to purchase our copies online. Yeah, and the reason being is that we're getting really efficient with shipping. Right. So um, it would make sense now as an individual, because because really grocery store um, coffee tends to be kind of stale because it's been hanging out there on the shelf, that kind of thing. But you could you could purchase it from the roaster and they could send it to you right then. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty swift. Okay. So um, everything's going to be purchased online. So there we are. And then last uh, prediction is synthetic coffee slash coffee alternative slash beanless coffee depends on who you're talking to we've been i've been talking about this forever if you Mm -hmm. found a corn based and not like paro or whatever that that the wheat or corn based coffee drink which is not coffee at all doesn't taste like anything Uh if you can get like a corn based coffee drink that tastes actually like coffee you would you get bought out by nestle and you could live your days on an island preparing for the apocalypse. Right. So exactly. Yeah. Well, many, many companies have tried this and many, many companies have failed because it's actually pretty hard to do. Um, but uh, let's see, Adamo Coffee, okay. um, they've actually, they're supposed to, and they were supposed to have premiered their coffee this year. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think it's going to be happening next year. Um, but they're calling it a beanless coffee. Okay. And basically, they, I mean, they're not going to tell you what's in it. Um, but it quite possibly could have mushrooms, coffee acids, which is the way that they put it is it's not based off of a coffee bean. So it's a, it's so you don't a synthetic. Grind up, you don't grind up the coffee and then you filter the water through it. You essentially get some kind of tincture from the plant or something like that. Well, and it's not even that. It's a it's a chemical conglomerate. 
that has the same coffee acidity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, adding caffeine because you you need some caffeine, and then acorns. Ooh. Acorn, yeah. acorn coffee. Acorn coffee. Yeah. Um, the idea behind it is that we have deforestation going on. Coffee is pretty expensive to grow. Right. Um, and there's there's not a good profit margin on coffee. And so by doing this, it can be created in mass in a factory somewhere. And therefore, we, we Co- don't have to. Coffee for everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, I when this comes out, when this ver- specific version comes out, I think it'd be great for us to try it out because we love coffee so much. Um but I but mean, that, really, that's, but that's the Fermi paradox. We start drinking this acorn coffee and then we don't realize mm-hmm. we turn into squirrels. Next thing you know, there's no more people. <laughs> so I get it. I it's, get it. It's how it it's works. How, it's how you end it. Yeah. Because so, it's because of the acorns. Yep. Yeah. So synthetic coffee. Synthetic coffee is coming goes. up too. All right. Well, there you go. Um, let's, so let's change gears. Let's yes. get back into the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about <laughs> action plan and how we can not make us make us make this crazy let's hope you make the most of it my boy be aware no <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> no really but stop and look around stop okay. and look around and assess and see if you're in an apocalypse just, just look out your window is there any zombies no we're good okay the reason why i want you to do that for real is because most neighborhoods are not being affected greatly by this by anything right By now. By anything right now. It's your your typical run-of-the-mill neighborhood with your friendly neighbors. Yes, exactly. Okay. So now with, with corona, we do have masks and thing, things like that. So be aware of the specific things in your neighborhood that you need to be doing. But really, there's big apocalypse things happening all over the world to a certain extent. But the, a lot of them do not involve you. Okay. So you don't need to panic. You don't need to be distressed about an earthquake in Brazil because... They're they're dealing with their stuff. It's not affecting you directly here. Now it's fine if you want to look at the news and everything, but no, pay attention to your body because if you're creating um, anxiety that you don't need, there's no reason to involve yourself in in all these different things. So just just see if there's an apocalypse going outside your window. How what's going on in your yeah. your community? But then if you want to watch the news, just also assess how much news you're watching and yeah, how much it, is affecting you. It could be quite distressing. Okay. And and part of that is knowing where you live and then ass- assessing what could actually happen. So um, here in Utah, earthquakes, and then we have a lot of wildfires specifically where we live. So I should probably have a go bag if they're like, Hey, you need to evacuate. Right. But we probably don't need like hurricane shutters. Yes. You know, that kind of stuff or tsunami sirens. Yeah, okay. exactly. Makes sense. So it's, it's just paying attention to exactly your moment and your place and time. Um, make sure that you are still living your life. And I take breaks from things. Do things that you enjoy. Do things that you would enjoy that don't involve prepping for an apocalypse. Okay. So if you're a prepper, do something else. Yeah. Go play catch with your kid. Go knit a sock. Not because you need to learn how to, you know, make socks in the apocalypse, but just because you like knitting, right? Okay. I like it. Um, Do have safety plans, but make sure you talk to your buddy, whoever you live with, and make sure it's a rational plan. Like these folks that are buying just like a room full of guns. Um, you probably don't need a room full of guns, right? Probably need so, a few guns and a bunch of ammo and call it good. Yeah, we want to make sure it, that this is not the focal point of your life. We want to make sure that you're still living life outside of it. And realizing that you are you are being primed for panic. So any type of media, media use at all, social media or otherwise, is going to be trying to get you to be scared and trying to get you to get 
a room full of beans. Because they're going to want you to purchase a product. So when yeah. you click on prepping, that algorithm says, oh, hey, emergency canned food. Let's mm -hmm. send them some advertisements. So just yes. know you're going to get bombarded when you start this process. Right. Okay. So, so, and that's why I want you to have other hobbies because I want your Google algorithm to have dresses on it too. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> every prepper wants big guns yep. and dresses. And pretty dresses. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, so, but being, being very aware of what you're putting into your brain and making sure that you're communicating with your family members about what's going on. And you should really have like... You should have a house fire plan. You should have all that, you know, safety planning business. But like, do it as a group. Yeah, do, do it, it as a do group. Do it as a group and make it fun and then, then go out and play in the park. And do other things, yes. Okay. And um, I also, the last thing, I want you to go on a happy hunt. Because this, the apocalyptic stuff, you can really drown in the information. There's rabbit holes all over the place that you can go down. I want you to actually go outside. I want you to walk around with your kids and point out awesome things. I want I want you to live your life now. You got to go into happy hunt a little more. I'm oh, pretty sure most hunt? of us don't really be like, oh yeah, happy hunt. Oh, I do yeah. that every Tuesday. Yeah. So what's, so what's a happy hunt? A happy hunt is where you go around. You can do it by yourself, or you can you can do it as a group. But you go around and be like, I like the pattern on that pillow. I like the way that this leaf looks on the cement in fall. Okay. Like you're you're trying you're looking for details and things that bring a little more joy into your life because we go through our life and we are scared and we have, we have anxiety and we're panicking when we're buying stuff on the internet and we're just, we're just cruising through life without experiencing it. I want you to stop and have your happy hunt and okay. find little details in the world that bring a little bit of joy and awesome into the world. So that's, but that's like a mosey. Can I do it more orient or goal and action oriented? Like come up with a list of things I and guess then you can. have everybody search it like a scavenger hunt. Oh, see, that would be fun and it'd be social involvement. Like find something blue that brings you joy. And then boom, find some, ocean. Find something that's tall that reminds you of a time you were at the beach. Aww. Things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's and that's very interactive. I was thinking just like literally walking around your house or pretty much, in the neighborhood. I'm pretty much like the top tier of the happy hunts. Yeah. So like, just so you know. No big deal. Gold medal over semi -pro. here. <laughs> Semi-pro. Okay. Yeah. So just experience life. That's I mean, we can't predict these events necessarily. Um, have a general plan. Make it very, very broad because you are not going to be able to predict the apocalypse. So two key takeaways, like we always say, make an honest assessment of what's going on now and then find some balance. Yeah. If you really do those two things, a lot of stuff in this world is going to be pretty good for you. Yep. Okay. So go out there. Hopefully the world doesn't end and we can. <laughs> Build a better you. Thanks, guys.